Welcome to Habits and Hope, the podcast that is not about perfection. It is about being purposeful to live the life of joy and fulfillment just as God intended. So today's episode is out of the comfort zone. That is the the title and theme. And (laughs) there's some funny parts about this. So several weeks ago, I just started thinking about when I have seen God move, when I have seen his presence in my life, when those things happen the most, it really dawned on me and was like pressed upon my heart. Um, I'm sure God inspired for sure that, you know, it wasn't when I was playing things safe. It wasn't when things were smooth and easy. It wasn't when I was staying inside of my comfort zone. And I actually recorded this podcast originally already, like I'm redoing it. Um, about a week and a half ago. And I felt like it just didn't go the way I quite wanted it to. And I don't know why, but I was like, I just can't bring myself to edit it. I feel like I'm supposed to redo it again. Maybe God, I'm I'm like, why would you have me do this once and have me do it again? I don't know. But, you know, we have to be willing to push ourselves outside the comfort zone. And I felt very convicted in the meantime of that, we had to, we didn't have to, but we did help somebody. It pushed us all in our family outside of our comfort zone. And there was some struggle and so forth, but we helped somebody inside of our home. And then, um, I'm like, boy, the funny things that happen when you <laughs> dive into some of this stuff, um, or how he prepares us maybe. And then tonight, um, I helped take that person back home and had to drive in nasty weather. I don't like driving at night. I don't like driving in the rain. And here I am driving in unfamiliar areas in the rain and at night as dark as could be way outside my comfort zone. And I'm just like, boy, God, (laughs) what are we doing? And, um, but, um, you know, I was praying for that situation and then I realized, oh, you know what? One, I should go home tonight and actually redo that podcast and and just rip that bandaid off. And two, I should listen to the sermon. I got distracted by all the things that were going on, but the Life Church sermon by Craig Grishel that my life group um, tomorrow morning will talk about. And so before I started heading back home, I played that and while I'm playing it as I'm driving and listening to it and lo and behold, it's talking about when it's hard to obey, which is not exactly the same, but yet there were so many parallels, I feel like, and in so many even intersections of what he was talking about and what I had already talked about once and am redoing and just following my notes and so forth. But I, I still don't even know what all God is doing in all this. All I'm going to say is his hands are all over this. If you are hearing it, you are supposed to. And um, get ready. Cause I think he's preparing you for something cause he's doing some with me. But the first thing I, I kind of thought of was the people in the Bible. There's so many people that, you know, had to step outside of their comfort zone. And there's just a lot of really real people. I don't know where a lot of people get this idea that there's all this perfection and cleaned up people inside of the Bible because the only one was, was really like Jesus. And, I mean, John the Baptist was a 
<laughs> well, he was an interesting character. I mean, I think he lived a pretty righteous life, but uh, he was he was not a bird. Um, Paul, you know, he was persecuting Christians. One day is struck down, has a full conversion, and now he's got to go and convince these people he was trying to murder that he's not there to murder him. He's there to help and work with them. I can't even imagine you know, in the, in light of all the rain that's coming down and outside of my house right now, we think about Noah and that he is told and is obedient and building this giant boat and there's no rain and it looks crazy. And I mean, now you're going to go live on a boat with all these animals. I mean, way outside the comfort zone. Um, Jonah, Jonah, was told to go to Nineveh and he was like no that is not a safe place I do not want to go there next thing you know he's stuck inside of a giant fish because he said no and you know sometimes we all get a little stuck because we say no but eventually he does what he's supposed to and it leads to conversions and <laughs> he stepped outside that comfort zone my favorite I don't know why he's my favorite person 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 in the Bible, but I just love Moses. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, here's a guy who is rescued from a basket as a baby from death. And he finds himself arguing with a burning bush. Can you, who's speaking to him and saying to this burning bush, as if that's just not enough reasons to just obey, you know, who am I to appear before Pharaoh and lead people out of Egypt? And later saying, arguing and saying, what if they don't believe me? I'm not good with words. I get tongue-tied. Send my brother. Everything but okay. Because he didn't want to go outside of his comfort zone. And the then the morning I was originally doing this, I'm reading Psalm 105. And um, and then the next day, 106. So like, wait, it just keeps coming, right? So I'm sitting there thinking, you know, it first talks about how you know, basically God took care of Abraham and God took care of Jacob and Joseph and so forth. And then it kind of goes into like the list of Moses that he sends these, these wonders into the land um, to enable them to be released. He sends darkness and he made the land dark. He turned the waters into blood, caused the fish to die had their land teeming with frogs and they even were in the bedrooms of the rulers. Then there were swarms of flies and gnats. Then he turned rain into hail and lightning throughout the land. Then he struck down vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. Then locusts came and grasshoppers without number. They ate up everything green in the land. I mean, one of the th one of these things you could potentially argue Maybe it's coincidence, but this many things, I mean, how, you know, how do you not just be in awe of all the things that God has done and, and to be in awe that they, he is doing it to release you from enslavement. Right. And he strikes down the firstborn in the land. And then this is something that was interesting to me because I felt like I had missed it before. He doesn't just deliver them out of this slavery but he like sends them out laden with silver and gold. So he sends them out better than before, not just free, but, you know, able to be set up and taken care of. So then they, 
they he sends a cloud as a covering and fire at as a light at night he when they're hungry he sends them quail and he sends them manna and then there's a rock that gets split open and water pours out like a river in the middle of the desert all of these amazing wonders right and you know one moses stepped out of his comfort zone and he sees all these miraculous things but on the other side of things you go on to psalm 106 how quickly all these things that they see yet they still it says they forgot all that he did refused to go in the promised land didn't even believe his promise of protection even though he are like i mean split the red sea he did all these things to keep them safe and now they're like outside of the promised land and they're like, nope, we're not, we're not doing it. And then this one really, really stuck with me. But it says that they sat in their tents grumbling and refusing to obey the Lord. And I'm like, yes, that's what we do. Sometimes we forget all the good things he's done. And we just sit there and make ourselves miserable because we won't get out of our tents. And so they they sit there and they miss the boat basically because they won't get out of the tent even though they're right there and he's done all these things and then matthew 10 39 you know kind of sums it up partly where it says if you cling to your life you will lose it but if you give up your life for me you will find it well why do we stick in our comfort zone even with all these things well a lot of it's fear be, and that's coming. We're going to talk about fear coming soon. But when we let go of that, step out of the comfort zone, we get that chance to see his amazing works. That's when he really, I feel, shows up. It doesn't mean that you don't have bumps, but I feel like that that is when you really, really see him. There have been times that I don't know what I guess that maybe he was trying to tell me at one point in time. But I do remember a time in my life where I felt like I was stuck kind of like Noah. Um, it was when my disc in my back had ruptured. I had a really hard time walking and moving around, doing almost anything. My husband was in the oil field and was gone for half of the month. I didn't have any family that lived nearby. I did have some really great friends. But sometimes, because I just didn't want to wear people out, but it was really, really tough. And there was one position that I could get into and it was kind of like sort of cocked on my side sort of spread out like Superman I don't even know how to explain that over a podcast but but yet still my face like my head was like looking so I would get in that position get some relief but like take care of young children and so forth and so like I'd get up and like like pop something in the oven and like I'm not moving fast, by the way. And then I'd get back in that position and like, I would just keep trying to get back in that position, but I was staying in that position as much as I could. So I could get that relief. It was the only way to get that nerve pain to stop. And I remember laughing to myself one day, like, well, maybe I just haven't been giving God enough attention because sometimes when we really need it, he just puts it us in a position where we have no choice, but to look up at him and see him. And that's where I was out looking up at him. But one, uh, I, I, it was not right away, but maybe that was part of that catalyst. Cause I felt like, 
you know, maybe I wasn't super connected with God at that time, but we were living in Louisiana. We loved the home we lived in. It wasn't perfect, but we just, there was a lot that we did like about it. There's a lot the kids did like about it. We had really great friends. Um, we really liked the church that we went to. I had people at that church that were truly pivotal in, which I've talked about before, but they really made the difference in me truly making that big jump into a real relationship with God that I had been missing for all my life, even though I grew up in the church and all these things. And then, um, this slow movement started of us feeling like we weren't supposed to stay forever, but it was hard because we were comfortable and there was a lot that we would give up, but things started to change because one, honestly, I know this is crazy, but the weather just got so unrelentless that, and, and many of us commented about it, Louisiana's hot, but it just got to the point where May would hit and it would be in the 100 degrees, like 110 degrees, 100% humidity, just hot. I have been in 106 degrees in California. It is nothing, nothing like a like the weather in Louisiana, when you have the, add that 100% humidity, it is stifling. It is exhausting. You cannot be outside. You cannot even swim. You cannot escape that heat. It is horrible. And it would last until October. And I'm like, this is horrible. I mean, we're talking like almost six months of stifling heat, or you just don't want to go outside. And we love outside. And then my husband really missed hiking. He grew up in Washington state and he, we were in like the flattest of flat land. And then I did sort of feel like there were some things missing in the church that we were at. And, but it was like, but how do we move? I mean, for one, the way my husband's work schedule was, it was going to be tough. In fact, at that point, by the time, like we were really getting into that phase, it had moved to three weeks on, three weeks on, uh, three weeks on on the oil rig and three eggs home. Well, what that meant was if you were doing the whole like shuffle of like buy a house, sell a house, like if it all fell at the wrong time, like we were going to be in a bind. We were going to be really stuck. And my husband was like, the only way I could see it possibly working is that we can buy a house that we can afford to pay basically two house payments at once and move up there slowly and so forth. But my husband still likes a lot of land. He's particular. Um, and, um, we would look, we looked probably for two years on and off and suddenly there was just like this immense push. One was like that. It was like that, that super hot, like the last summer that I told my husband, I was like, I'm not kidding. If it's like this one more summer, I'm done. <laughs> We're moving. And he was like, I don't see how, but okay. And, um, sure enough, we had one more summer of it. So that November, it was, we were going to see my mother who lived in Northern Alabama, but it was close enough to the cut area. We were kind of thinking about going into Tennessee and I was like, well, maybe if I could find a house that we would, that I could work, then maybe we could move or maybe we could go see it while we were visiting my mother. And so I'm looking so hard, like passionately looking feeling very driven. And then I'm like, oh, I think I found a house. I think I found a house that could work. And, um, 
then I had to find, this was very close to Thanksgiving, so I had to find a realtor willing to meet us. I did. And my husband was like, you know, okay, we can do it. And so we ended up buying this house and it took us six months to move. But in that time frame, there were all these signs um, of things like that. It was time to go. There was um, a distancing, like my my best friend for the longest time down there, she was going through some things and then you hate to like leave someone during the time, but it just was like, we were kind of going, like I was becoming more spiritual and she just was not. And, um, it was sad and it was very hard, but it was just like, okay, God was kind of confirming. It was kind of time to, to cut that off a bit. And then that one, one person who really, really showed me what a real Christian really can be. She comes to me and she's like, right when we were like about to announce that we're moving, she's like, I have to tell you something like we're moving and we're moving to Houston and it all happened so suddenly. And I was like, that's crazy. Cause we're moving too. And, um, so there was that, there was probably more things that I can't think of, but I remember this one that was super weird because we had this like crystal dish that our realtor had given us as a housewarming gift seven years prior we moved to this house in Louisiana and yes seven by the way means completion so don't think that escapes me but I had this dish we would use it from time to time a lot of times I use it, it was crystal a lot of times I would use it for like kind of a decoration of Christmas sometimes I would serve something in it so it was used it wasn't just stored away but um it was kind of delicately used and um and then had its little place inside of the cabinet and here we are getting close to moving. I opened up the cabinet one day and I was just gasped. It was completely split in half. It was laying inside the cabinet. It wasn't up against like a wall. It wasn't pushed up against anything. There it is laying inside the cabinet split in half. It was crazy. And I'm like, okay, I really feel like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And we had to sell a lot of things to really make it reasonable. My husband was like, no, keep getting rid of stuff, keep getting rid of stuff. And I know one thing that was kind of hard for him and it was a big sacrifice was he, he got rid of a lot of his tools and that's a big deal for him. But he was like, these aren't like the most amazing tools and they are replaceable and this just, I'm, I'm going to let this go. And so he got rid of stuff. We got rid of things so we ended up moving to this house and we lived there for about six months and all these things arranged where basically my mother, this house would be better fit for my mother and my sister with special needs to live in right when my father had decided to divorce her after 40 years because it financially benefited him. And we find this house that's a much better fit for our family and it's not very far away. And we decide like, this is like the house of our dreams. So we thought it was our forever home, but again, not quite what God had intended, but it was great at the time. And, but what was amazing about that is the house that we bought ended up buying the second house in Tennessee. We ended up buying in six months was, well, I guess, okay. We lived at that one house for six months. So this was technically, I guess a year later. Exactly. And the house was built by this older couple and they spent three years living in the, the very 
rough cabin on the property building the house. And then they were able to spend three years in it. But at about that, they had not lived in the new house for very long. And the poor woman had a really bad stroke and he had gone golfing that morning. And so she laid in bed, unfortunately for most of the day. So I don't know if you know, but the timing is everything with a stroke. And he had all this guilt, sweetest guy, sweetest couple. And she could not communicate super well, but like she only had certain phrases, like maybe three or four phrases that she could say, but somehow she could communicate with him. And she let him know that she was done with Tennessee and she wanted to move to Florida. Um, and that's why they put their house on the market and came along us. And when we found out kind of about this story and that they were trying to figure out how to sell a lot of their stuff, cause this was up on a mountain. It was, you could not have a garage sale. That was just not even possible. And, um, they just, it was just very difficult cause it was an extremely rural area to, to sell things and, and get rid of things. So we were like, well, we had already gotten rid of a lot of our stuff. So we could move in this really small house and move up here to Tennessee and, and it'd be more reasonable. And now we are moving into a bigger home and we don't like have nearly enough furniture. And yeah, if you want to like maybe sell us some of this stuff, you know, we'd be more happy to talk about it. And just for example, he walked into his shop on the property and looked around and was like kind of showing my husband, like I've got this and that and all this stuff. And he, I know he's trying to kind of like figure out a price. And my husband was like, yeah, yeah, like whatever you want. I got rid of a lot of my tools. And, um, the guy says, you know what? I will give you everything in here for $500. Um, there's like one tool alone that was worth way more than $500. This was tremendous blessing. And they even left us their artificial Christmas tree one of the most beautiful artificial Christmas trees I have still seen to my, to this day. And we love this tree so dearly that even as it was starting to fall apart, I was like, no, I don't want to replace it. It's such a beautiful tree. It's going to be so hard to replace it. It's super full. It's just gorgeous. And so we were given this tree and we had gotten rid of our artificial tree. We just replaced that tree this year. We realized, you know, I was going to have to be putting this tree up by myself. It was quite a pain to put up um, here when my kids leave for college and it's not pre-lit. It's, it's really falling apart, but you can put it together and make it work. So we ended up offering it to another family. We're like, look, you're going to be really careful putting it together, but it'll probably make it another year or two. And so we were able to bless another family with it this year. And we finally broke down and replaced it. But, you know, all these tremendous blessings happen. And it took a big push outside of our comfort zone. But the whole time I kept telling my husband, like, no, I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. And bless his heart for understanding and, and following along. But it's funny because years later, I felt that same push about starting my business you know, I was really clinging to like what well, I was being obedient, starting my business and stepping out of the comfort zone. But I was really hesitant to like, well, let me get this business really going before I let go of my job. But that was really difficult. And I got uh, my first client and my husband said, you know what? I think you should just quit and, and just start your business. And I was like, for real? And he's like, yeah, we'll be fine. 
And I'm like, which, you know, he does make a nice income for sure. But I, I was contributing a good bit. And I felt very convicted of, I rely on myself way too much instead of, you know, trusting for, you know, that God will provide. And that hit kind of hard. And I was like, oh man, I mean, I grew up having to be kind of independent and I had family that was, I felt almost was overly dependent. Like they just wouldn't do anything because they were just going to wait for God to provide. And so that caused a lot of hesitancy and really clinging on to my own ability basically to do that. So letting go of that was way outside of my comfort zone. And, but as soon as I did, I mean, it's just more and more and more. And even being outside of my comfort zone and hiring people to work for me for many reasons. And yet every time I did, you know, God amazed me with what he did. And I thought, man, if I didn't do these things, I would have missed what he did in my life. I would miss how great he can be. I would miss the awesomeness of when I was really outside of my comfort zone, but he really showed up. I had to go back and add a little bit. So if this is disjointed, I apologize. But I realized I missed a couple of big details on the Louisiana story when we were moving away from there as well. So we put our house for finally on, on the market once we were like, okay, we're out of the house basically. And we're ready to fully move six months after we owned the house in Tennessee. And the second day that it was on the market, we had an offer and this was not when the market was hot. This was when houses were still sitting quite a bit. And again, it's a rural area and so forth. And it was in 2013. This house went for sale, full price offer, and was almost in a bidding war, except for a lady who wanted to go get her hair done. And we decided to just go for the offer because like, well, like, we're good. And not to be greedy. But, we, you know, we were very happy about that. Then a week later, there was this property that was next to the house in Louisiana. And it had been vacant for a long time. We always worried if somebody ever built on it or put something on it, it would be very, very close to us. But when they weren't, we had a very nice woods next to us, basically. We'd even actually, I should say, tried to find out who owned it so that we could buy it so that it didn't happen. A week later, after we sold the house, somebody came in, cleared this lot, plopped him up a home there. And my friend called and said, oh my goodness, you wouldn't believe how different it looks, how horrible it looks. And sorry for the people who bought it. We really had zero idea. They were so much so mad thinking that we had done it intentionally knowing that this house was coming that's why we put it for sale that they tried to accuse us of something although our realtor was spot on because she was like I, I, we can't control the neighbors but, um and so you know again sorry for them but the timing was crazy because all this time that house that property sat vacant and suddenly that whole property was changed within a week so it's really important for us to trust and get out of our comfort zone so that we can bask in his amazing works and see all his goodness. It's essential. So I hope that makes some sense. If we stay inside our tent, <laughs> grumbling and 
and just out of fear and so forth. We, we miss the blessings. We miss the awesomeness. You will never feel closer to God. I feel like when you, you, like when you step out of your comfort zone and when he really shows up. And so I will end it with this one verse. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. We know that means we can rest assured. We can be super confident that all those things work together for the good. When we're called to his purpose, it's all going to work out. It's going to be okay. Just get out of the tent. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, a great day, and that you step outside of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm.